Welcome to the WP Builds Podcast, bringing you the latest news from the WordPress community. Now, welcome your hosts, David Wormsley and Nathan Wrigley. Hello there and welcome once again to the WP Builds Podcast. You've reached episode number 263, entitled Agreements, Contracts, and payments. It was published on Thursday, the 27th of January, 2022. My name's Nathan Wrigley, and in just a few moments, I will be joined by my good friend, David Wormsley, so that we can have our chat. But before that, a little bit of housekeeping. If you enjoy the things that WP Builds do, I would really appreciate it if you felt like sharing it somewhere. Whatever social platform works for you, perhaps the easiest thing to do is to share the URL wpbuilds.com and tell people why you listen to the podcast and why you enjoy it. We're hoping to grow it over the coming year and your help would be much appreciated. Another good way to share the podcast and expose it to your audience would be to go to your podcast player of choice. Apple podcast reviews in particular seem to be very popular and a little five-star review and a comment would go down really, really well. I would really appreciate that. If you want to keep in touch with what we do at WP Builds, head over to our subscribe page, wpbuilds.com forward slash subscribe. Join us there. Sign up to the newsletters. You can find us on YouTube. There's our Twitter handle and all of those kind of things as well. And if you fancy something a bit different, we've got our Mastodon install, which is a Twitter clone, an open source Twitter clone. And you can find that at wpbuilds.social. And I keep saying, yes, that is a URL, wpbuilds.social. Don't forget as well, we've got our deals page at wpbuilds.com forward slash deals. It's like Black Friday, but every single day of the week, go and check it out and you may be able to get a discount on some notable WordPress product. We've got loads up there and they stick around for a long time. So next time you're buying something, go check that out. Okay, let's get on with the podcast then. We are still doing our WordPress business bootcamp. We're on series number one still, and this is episode number four. And the intention here is to relearn every single thing that we know about web design and creating a WordPress website business and running that business. And today we're talking about agreements and contracts. There's a lot in this. David is taking a different position. He's working from the agile perspective, whereas I'm working much more from the let's do a contract, let's get a price fixed and deliver the job and get paid, which we might call the waterfall approach. And today, obviously, we're concentrating on the agreements, the contracts and the payments. Do we even need things like contracts and agreements as part of our business? Many people think that you do. Some people just start their business and hope for the best. Perhaps they're working for their friends or relations. And so the, the balance might be different depending on where you're at. But today we talk about agreements and contracts, why they might be important, where you might find them and whether you should use them or not. I hope that you enjoy the podcast. Welcome to another in our Business Bootcamp series. It's the series where we relearn everything we know about building WordPress sites and running a web design business from start to finish. Presently, we are on season one where we're looking at everything that needs to happen before a build. And we're on episode four of that, where we're talking about agreements, contract and payment. Nathan and I are taking different routes on our invented business and trying to get our 
client's website up. Nathan, shall we just quickly recap where we're up to so far? Yeah, so in the first three episodes, we kind of established that we had a client. We've never done website work before. We might have dabbled in it, but we have, Mm. for the first time ever, we've been recommended a client who we're just calling Miss A, but we don't know really anything about her other than that she's a lawyer. And so we're going through this podcast series trying to build the blocks of building a WordPress business. So in the first three episodes, we we covered all sorts of things. But for the purposes of this introduction, essentially, I'm going down the the fixed pricing route, which you might call waterfall. And that really consists of me getting a proposal together, putting out some documentation, getting things signed off, and hopefully getting the project and getting paid for it. That's the kind of route I'm doing. And you're doing something different. I am. I'm doing Agile, which is still quite new to me, but I started that. And this is really where we only fix a fee on a sprint of work. So the idea is that I won't have a proposal. Really, I just suggest that we start with some kind of minimal viable website, something that they might be interested in starting working with me on, maybe even just a landing page. And so it's low risk to the client and then they can book further sprints and we'll improve the site iteratively. So our approaches are going to be different to the at the way that we go about doing business, including what we're talking about today, which is agreements and contracts. Yeah, I guess I guess the in the end, the 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 need or not for this will will be equal. You know that there's going to be no disagreement about that possibly, um, but the the content of it and when we deploy it and all of those kind of things might might come into question. Yeah, Nathan, I want to ask you something. So when your proposal goes in, which is what we talked about last time. Is the contract going along with it? Yes. Well, essentially, ah. it, it's one and the same thing. The system, right. the software that I've got at the moment, because I use software to send out proposals so that they can simply click a button, The one thing leads to another. So the proposal has to be signed, and then it takes them on to the contract, and then the contract mm-hmm. has to be signed. So it's actually it's quite a lot of signatures going around here, electronic or otherwise, but there's two parts to it, and I explain that. And then in order to make those things operable, if you like, in, in other words, that, that I should then react to those, then, then there's usually some sort of payment schedule which requires some kind of deposit right at the very start. But we're sort of getting away from ourselves there. So yes, what about you? Do you have them as separate or the same? Well, the thing is, I, I've never used a contract. So uh, I, that's why I asked you the question, because I actually have no experience, which we'll get into in a moment, because a lot of people are going, what? Yes. <laughs> well, no, I, I think you're about to make some really good arguments in that sense, because we've we've talked about this a lot before we hit record. And I think there's a great deal of sense in, in your approach, especially yeah. in your situation. But yeah, it kind of makes sense to me to put two documents in front of somebody at the same time, rather than get the proposal all agreed and then, you know, just check that they've signed it and then send them another email. It just feels like a sensible approach to do everything at the same moment in time. Yeah, it does to me. And I think I'll probably know the answer to this, that um, I was going to ask you whether anyone's rejected one part um, and not the other. No, I've never really had any pushback. Oh, you mean the proposal's acceptable, but the contract isn't? No, yes. no, I've never had that. I, I think the only things that I've ever had where are people who've come back and just questioned a specific word or, you know, maybe I've yeah. literally got the name of their limited company wrong. I haven't added limited on the end or something like that. But I've never had anybody come back and say wholesale. No, this is garbage. I, I refuse to sign it. Um, yeah. But yeah, we'll, we'll get into that. So no, not really. 
So really, I mean, when we come to contracts, mostly uh, it, for the traditional route, that's where they're most associated and there probably needs to be a stronger contract because you're kind of promising with your proposal uh, an end deliverable and a certain time, probably. I guess you put in a date where it be delivered by and then they're signing up to that effect there where I'm not doing that. So it, it's a little bit more open for me. Yeah, it, um, it's really curious. I, I'm still undecided as to who the contract is really for in that, you know, is it is it about protecting me and and making sure that I get everything how I want it? Or is it about protecting them and giving them things that they are therefore willing to sign. So, for example, a good example might be, you know, when I put in the amount of time I think it's going to take, am I doing that so that so that they are assured that that's the time or am I doing that so that I know that I've got enough time to do it? I suppose we're after some sort of happy medium. There, it's It's to protect me, but also to protect them and to reassure me and to reassure them. There's a bit of a bit of a yeah. dance going on. Should we talk about the options? So, if yep. we, I mean, we're new. We're supposed to be pretending that we've never done this before. So looking about what there is out there, there's something, an old favorite we've talked about before, which is Andy Clark's open source contract killer, which is freely available and you can take and use for your your own contracts. And I think you use that. Yeah, right? my, my approach, and we'll get into this, is I don't go heavy with the lawyers. You know, I'm not getting a lawyer each and every time to look at it. In fact, really, my my interaction with lawyers is almost zero throughout my career. And I, I did use and still basically used a tweaked version of the contract killer, which mm. I'll link to in the show notes. It's basically an open source contract and it's it's written in very plain English. In fact, it goes to great pains to to talk about the fact that it's in plain English. And it just sets out some really simple things that I promise to do this, you promise to do that. And if either of us fails to do this, then these types of things can happen. You can mm. you can tweak it as you like, make it more stern or 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 the opposite. You know, you could make it much more easy on both of you. But the, the principle really is that all that you've done really is put something in their way to say, okay, there's a certain degree of seriousness to this. There's a contract here. I am signing something, but I have no idea whether any of that stuff would stand up in court. And the interesting thing, though, I mean, Andy Clark, he's been around, you know, since it seems the birth of the internet and you know, he's well respected um, as a designer. He obviously gets high paid jobs. Um, so, you know, it's endorsed by him that works in his circumstances maybe that's just part of his character so uh, I mean, if it's good enough for him why shouldn't it be good enough for us you know yeah yeah and um, but I, I i really would imagine that this depends on the size of the project you know if if unlike yeah. me you're into hundreds of thousands of pound websites then i i think it would be really a bit silly not to get the lawyers involved and to nail things down because there's so much riding on it. In my case, and I'm sure the yeah. same will be true for whatever you you know you are going to be doing, whether or not you deploy a contract, I don't know. But I'm just after kind of local clients who I speak to on an on a personal basis. You know, I'm on the phone. I've probably seen them in the real world in their office and so on pre-COVID. Yeah. And and so there's hopefully there's more implied trust. Than, than than there might be if I was just dealing with some sort of corporate entity where there's a churn on employees and you can't be guaranteed that the person that you speak to today is the person that's going to be in charge with the project 
to yeah. going forwards you know so i think i rely on trust more so the the, the contract really just is really a flag it's just sort of saying okay we've d- done what everybody expects us to do there's a contract yeah yeah well i mean we're both from those kind of places where i think you know people are upset that they might have to close their doors or something <laughs> they might have to actually lock their doors because it's kind of these societies where people just do trust each other there's very limited crime so yeah it is a different environment altogether from the point that you made to me before we were talking uh now that if you were in new york it might be entirely different yeah um, yeah the, the little parochial part of the world which i live in yeah you are really not going to survive too long in any industry if yeah. you turn out to be a charlatan who rips people off yeah so a, a really perfect example here and the, the parallels are not immediately obvious but it, it serves the purpose you know if you're a car mechanic and yeah. you continually rip people off you, you are going out of business really quickly because it won't take long for the word of mouth to go around and people to distrust you. And exactly the same would be true in, in the line of work that we both do. It won't take long for people to stop making the phone call because the recommendations don't come through. And a lot of the recommendations that I get are through by the personal contact or people that have, you, you know, the word of mouth yeah. thing. And that will all just dry up and so will my work. So yeah. in that sense... There's maybe a bit more wiggle room as to whether you need a contract or not. And the, the truth is, if you've gone through your whole career up until now without a contract, it is proof that it can be done. But we're not here to sell that model necessarily because we'll probably just get <laughs> shouted at. Yeah, I think so. Well, it's such a fascinating conversation. And that element you brought in about the kind of area you work with, the type of people you deal with and and how they're confined as well. I think it's something I'd not even thought about until we started talking about it. Um, There is another off the shelf solution, which is a paid for one, which I didn't know about until recently called Monster Contracts. And uh, apparently a lot of people seem to use that and it's quite good um, from what they say. Some people have taken it to lawyers to check over whether it's going to be appropriate for their circumstances and they say it is. Um, there is a little caveat, though, if you if you go to that, there's a thing that really effectively says it's only for educational purposes. It comes without any warranty or guarantees, as most of these kind of off the shelf legal things do. You know, they're not saying that gives you legal protection. So there is that. Um, and then we've got a kind of another big influence in my life, because this is a a really popular talk which goes back to 2011 in on youtube and vimeo alone i think it might be in other places it's got more than um uh, 1.2 million views hmm. and it's by mike montero we'll have to keep trying to say his name correctly and it's called and i can't say it in full but i'm going to say f you pay me yes um and uh yeah his talk is very much based on the idea so contradicting these other two options his, uh, his presentation really argues that you need a lawyer to specifically write a contract for the projects that you're dealing with. And part of his talk, he introduces his own lawyer who writes up those contracts. So is his, so this is Mike Montero. Is his yes. principle then that every time you you begin a project, you should consult with a lawyer to get a bespoke contract for mm. that project, as opposed to, say, for example, using the contract killer or the monster contracts one, where it obviously mm. is templated, he, you, you know, there should be fresh clauses put in, things removed, everything should be 
bespoke. Is that what he's offering? That's pretty much what he's saying. Yeah. yeah. You need a contract. I mean, you're in his view, you're, he says it, you're kind of the moment you turn professional, you need a contract, but he's very much promoting about the fact that you need a lawyer to do those. And he brings a, you know, a lot of the talk is his own lawyer and, and how he deals with writing the contracts for each cases. It's an interesting one because, you know, when I watch that video and people do, uh, I react to him because he seems kind of bullish through it uh kind of alpha male walks around a lot and obviously the title of it is is kind of quite aggressive and you know it's very much rejecting of people who clients who will say take this on trust with this part and no no walk away straight away he's very much adamant on this kind of thing but i do sort of take his point in um in the side that it, it wins me over to the fact that if you are going to write this contract because you're going which he must be the traditional route where you are saying up front what you're going to deliver at the end you probably do need a good contract certainly if it's over a certain budget that actually specifies what those expectations are for that and i think if you use maybe an off-the-shelf one it's not going to be a it's not going to really clearly lay out what's expected right that's a really good point i'm guessing i don't know anything about this mike montero guy but i'm guessing that well a couple of things i'm guessing the first one mm. is that he's successful so he's, he's <laughs> yeah. probably got a lot of high-paid clients. And the second one is that he's been burned in the past. Yeah, exactly. And that's the thing. You know, it kind of seems bullish, but you almost think uh, it puts me in the shoes of a lot of creatives who will, you know, they're not taken seriously by people. And it's very easy for them to get ripped off by bad players, I think. And you only need that to happen a few times. And then you start to, you know, adopt this. I need to talk gangster talk to as a defense mechanism, I think. And I felt that with this talk. But um yeah, I mean, we were talking a lot before and, you know, my issues, I'm, in fact, I'm going to write a post on this, so I'll probably just all of it will be here, but I like your take on it for my Simple Revolutions in Design yeah. blog, which I'm doing, because I want to sort of tackle that because for me, um, what gets lost or what we can easily get lost in is, is the fact that this is really just about risk mitigation all the time, isn't it? And it needs to be appropriate to the circumstances. So watching some think like his video if you're like you and I where mostly we can trust people um, or in my case where I'm taking upfront payment and I can't see any other reason to have to nail anything down you know the site that they get is fully GPL so there's no issues about ownership there's no reason for a contract it would just be a thing that I'd be doing because that's what I'm supposed to do as a professional right so and literally it would be a, a, a sort of tick box exercise you're just doing it because you've been told by a variety of people that you need to do it but you're not yeah. in, you know you're not Mike really going to inspect me. it and do it correctly <laughs> properly thoroughly yeah and i think there's you know a whole bunch of issues with putting a contract before people because trust is essential to good relationships so he would say you know you can't take on trust walk away and and, th and i think that's okay in a big business situation where it's never ever felt to be personal um but I think, you know, most of the case, we are trying to work quite closely and build relationships. And it's in our DNA because of the fact that we are born useless, relying on caregivers, that we rely on trust for everything. So to put in front of someone this kind of document that assumes bad faith 
is kind of quite tricky. And I made that point before, wasn't it? It's like turning up on your wedding day and then handing over a prenup, you know, just as you're about to walk down the aisle. It's, you know, it's it could be a shock for many people to receive it. Yes. Yeah, that's that's really interesting. And the word that you use there, which resonates, I think, across this whole conversation today is trust. And really, mm. in the absence of trust, you probably yeah. do need some kind of documentation, some kind of contract. But maybe, maybe there's an there's a, an area where if you really do trust somebody, um, and you've got a good feeling about the relationship, or maybe you've had a previous relationship, you built a website for them before, and they've turned out to be really decent, honourable people who pay on time. Maybe putting a contract in front of them actually is a is demonstrative of the fact that you've you've maybe lost mm. a bit of trust in them. So yeah, I, I understand what you mean. I wonder. Um, has anybody in your process ever said to you, I need a contract? Mm, uh, I had a service. Somebody wanted a service level agreement to be signed on my part. Okay. And they sent it over and I looked at it. But it's a kind of different thing. That was for, it wasn't for the building of the site. It was for the maintaining of the site. And what they asked was something where I said, I think you need to go somewhere else. <laughs> so, oh, really? So at the point yeah. where they, they said, can we have some sort of written declaration of how yeah. much the website's going to be online or whatever it was, they you 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 pushed them away as a client. You decided. No, that, well, yeah. it's a slightly different thing because it was about the. Uh, so basically, if their site was down, then I would be responsible under their agreement they wanted me to sign for. And there was all sorts of things. So I say no one can actually sign this because we can't guarantee uptime, whatever you're on, and certainly I can't. So I said, I can't sign this and I, I don't, you know, I don't sign these kind of things. You take the, the service as it is and, and that's it. But uh, it was actually, I mean, it wasn't a situation gone wrong. Effectively, it was like having a new client because it was somebody with my old colleague and I actually didn't want the job because I thought the organization might be problematic, but it went through fine, mostly working with my colleague. Then they left and someone else took over who was a bit more jobs worth and they came in with this and actually I was quite happy for them to go so okay yeah, yeah. entirely different situation yeah but, um yeah no, so no nobody's ever questioned i so i should explain my system so Please. if um if i'm booking time i really I, after my conversation i say go and book online this end date for our sprint and i'll probably give them some indication about how far upfront that end date is and as part of it, I say there's no refunds if they're not available over that time to help me. I can only do what I can do. But most of the time, I can work on my own if they're not working with me. So it's taken care of. Never needed to use that. There's little agreements there, which is just saying what those kind of things, what's expected there. Whether they've read them or not, I don't know, because they're going through a WooCommerce checkout process. So they probably not even bothered reading the document. And that's all there is. So. Do you have... In that scenario, then, do you have a contract, if you like, buried in terms and conditions? Do you have like a, a yes, checkbox exactly. that they've got to tick in order to get through that cart? And the contract yes. is sort of buried in there, even though they're not signing it, they're paying their way into that into that contract. Yeah, exactly. This is just the terms and conditions. So effectively, they are there. I don't know whether this, I mean, the difference between an agreement and a contract is they're effectively the same thing, but one of them is well tends to be informal in the case of agreements and not clearly enforceable by law and i'm not sure if my terms and conditions are clearly 
enforceable by law. So I think of it as just a, a basic agreement. But there's nothing there effectively that I haven't already told them about the way that I work. Yeah, yeah. I, I definitely have this this contract period and, and I feel it's kind of like quite a nice way to, to put a, an end to the are you going to have a website built and yes. moving directly into the yes we're going to have a website built now please will you begin phase you know it's that a real moment in time you've signed the contract you've you've basically committed to it from that moment on you've gone from being wavering at any point prior yes. to that you could walk away um and now you've signed on the dotted line um, what have you like i say it's it's an, it's a sas app it's online and nobody's actually signing a physical piece of paper although i used to do that definitely have done that in the past sent things through the mail mm. and so from that point of view I, I think it's really really useful it just sort of psychologically gets everybody in in the game and and all that i do is i go through i have the template which i've tweaked mm. from the contract killer and mm -hmm. i've made it personal and there's bits in that that i didn't wish to keep and there's bits that i wished to add i honestly can't tell you off the top of my head which bits i took out and which bits i've changed i mean obviously i've changed the name of the uh, the the company and all of that kind of stuff but there were things which just didn't sit well with me and i'll just yeah. go through and add things that i think might need to be added so there's a a bullet pointed list of of deliverables and obviously in each project that's going to be different depending on what they wanted if it's a five page brochure website that's relatively straightforward but if they want additional functionality i make mention of that i also will tweak the the sort of time scale and yeah. depending on what we've talked about i'm i'm quite flexible with payment terms some people want to do you know 50% deposit and 50% on completion other people might want to do 40 30 30 something like that and so i just adapt it like that and and click send yeah it, and, and it kind of makes sense when you say that in your circumstances it doesn't have to be that legal but it's almost like they're committing to an agreement and you can at least go back to that it's that moment in time where you say yes we're going for this and i i kind of like that i think what concerns me i guess about the whole you need to get a lawyer in is that if you need a lawyer to really nail down the specifics of all what you're intended to deliver um it's quite a lot for the other person to take on and of course everything is assumed bad faith on it uh so you're spending a lot of the budget on those lawyers assuming bad faith which is you know difficult for the relationship if they're not used to that kind of thing and then also there's an element of the fact that you are suggesting a process but within that you also sharing where that process goes wrong yeah <laughs> and that's one of the issues for me with the traditional model because in a way you're you need to you know put legal terms in there to protect yourself for this way where i just think well can i not just skip that by saying well we'll start with this work and if we're happy then we'll go on to the next work and we'll improve everything and everybody should be happy along the way why did i have to nail all of this down with legal ease um to get us there that's that's the process that I've insisted on and I'm revealing at the same time where it's likely to go wrong. Yeah, I, I, I guess the, the counter argument for that would be that everybody realises that everything can go wrong. And, yes. and so, you know, if we've got some clear boundaries, as an example, you know, if I don't deliver on this particular date because you didn't provide me with the materials that I requested in a timely way, my little my contract the wording of it kind of says that's fine for me you you've signed this and you've you've committed to sending me these things by this particular date and if you fail yeah. to do that then 
there's not a lot I can do to move the project forward. So that's on you. And it's just spelling out those little things. And I suppose to some extent, it's making making everybody aware who's responsible for what. Because I'm sure you've, you've had clients in the past that just were terrible at delivering things and it really ground things to a halt. And yet they still want the deadline to be met, even if they only supply you with the all the assets that you needed six weeks ago, one week mm. before it's supposed to launch. And it's just setting those expectations. I think in mine... I'm more than happy for people to mess that kind of stuff up, so long as it's obviously moving forwards and it seems legit. So it's just spelling out those things, who's got the responsibility for what, and and a, and a kind of nod to what will happen to the project. And on most of my stuff is just about the, that the project will stall, not about we're going we're gonna to withdraw from the project. It's just about, right. okay, that'll just make things happen later. Yeah. Do you have an issue? I mean, one of the things I think on that talk is the uh, he mentions the fact that if someone changes the requirement that they want that means ripping up the contract and starting again that's one of the key things and i, I guess that happens a lot is it something that you found where uh, you're halfway through it and the what they're expecting now has increased do you know what? i i'm pretty certain that the contract killer has that provision in it right towards the end um right. something along the lines of if you if we've begun the project and then you ask for something which is out of the scope of this project we'll have to we'll have to deal with that as another new proposal and contract so that's not quite what you were asking um hmm. but no i've never had the problem of me just having to tear the whole thing up because they changed their mind usually yeah. what we've agreed is is been gone back and forth on so so many times and often in person that hopefully everybody's pretty clear on what they're getting themselves into yeah and i think the the agile manifesto is obviously dealing with some of those elements where this can go wrong so they go for the you know customer collaboration over the contract negotiation because if you're working on something where you don't know because outside factors may change what needs to be delivered, particularly with a big project. If you were building the next Facebook, um, you're not going to do that overnight. You're going to have to do it in phases. And, you know, what happens with the actual Facebook, you know, might impact on how you're going to go and move it. And you're going to have to change. And lots of that's expected in it. So they've needed to change that approach. Otherwise, you spend all of your time uh, pulling in the lawyers, ripping up contracts and rethinking them because the the projects themselves are just very likely to change in the expectations. And that's why the agile approach is there to get around that. It, so. Do you know, you may not know the answer to this, but I, I don't, well, I'll ask it anyway. If agile is broken down into a, a selection of little sprints or smaller sprints yeah. than just my waterfall approach where here's the project, we'll start on this mm. day and we'll finish the whole thing on this day. Yours is more, okay, we'll do this a little bit, see what you think. We'll do another little bit, see what you think, do another little bit until finally we're mm. approaching what you want, even though we might never arrive at the perfect destination. Yeah. Are the sprints in Agile not bound up in contracts? So do you do you sign a contract yeah. for the, the sprint portion, you know, the next week or the next two weeks? Or is there some agile contract that you might sign at the beginning to explain okay you're signing on for these sprints and so long as you keep paying for them we'll keep honoring what we've got in this this document that we've both signed at the start yeah it's interesting i watched a couple of um, conversations with a guy who's a bit of an expert on agile contracts because it yeah, becomes right. a minefield um so there are some situations where effectively in 
in the philosophy of it, they're not agile at all, but big businesses want to have some sort of guarantees about how long this project might take in terms of number of sprints. So effectively, they're not going agile. They're kind of having, they're wanting their cake and eating it with it. So there are these situations where what this guy says is a fixed price sprint is the best, in his view, method of doing it. And those contracts themselves won't be concentrating on what you're agreeing as the deliverable, but will be concentrating on how you are going to work together over these particular times. So it'll just be how you're working and the time frame and the payment will be attached to that. The end deliverable won't be. But of course, some people are saying, you know, upfront, there will be some really knotty contracts where you're trying to deliver um, agile because they like the idea of that kind of flexibility, but they're still trying to commit to this idea that there might be a certain number of sprints before you're finished. And then you get into all other sorts of negotiations where if you complete earlier than the sprints that are expected, you know, you split the difference half, half between you and those kind of strange arrangements are going on. But, you know, um, you know, in my case, I mean, I don't need to worry about any of those kind of things. Yeah. Do, do you know though that like say for example, it may not crop up in your work because you know you're going to be doing website projects which don't have enormous facebook like scope but if mm. you were to if you were to have a project that's broken up into say i don't know 10 10 weekly sprints or something like that and mm. one of those weeks is particularly you know you're trying to tackle something in this particular sprint which is really thorny and it may mm. have i don't know maybe that something needs to be proven at the end of that to prove that it's going to be GDPR compliant or something like that. Do you know (laughs) if they do get into that, you know, if they do have a particular clause added into this sprint's documentation, uh, contract, sorry, Mm. do you know if that kind of thing happens? You know, in other words, you can't always rely on the same sprint contract to be signed each and every time. Yeah, well, I'm no expert on this, and mm. I, I'm pretty sure it does happen, yeah. and that's why there's a lot of conversation about agile being dead because big businesses are being sold, if you like, the consultation to use it because it's seen as efficient, but ultimately they can't change the nature of their organisation, and they try and fix down, the, you know, things which are not meant to be fixed. You know, that's the whole idea of agile. So you do get these things, but I think if you're going with the spirit of it, you're just entering into the realism the fact is that we don't know what really needs to be delivered and we can only know it through working and it you know it's a bit like so many other things in creative fields when you're working together you kind of have to like bands need to jam and something greater will come out of the collaboration of it but you you couldn't have planned it ahead of time and it's taking that kind of a i look at it that way on on the small creative side of things that kind of mentality for it Mm. Yeah, I, I'm really curious as to whether there's like a certain size of business where yeah. a contract literally is is essential. You know, I'm wondering if a, a, an organization of over, let's say, three people or four people will will never be able to say yes to you without a contract. Whereas if you are dealing with, I don't know, Mrs. A, Miss A mm. in our case, who's a lawyer. I mean, it's mm. ironic that she's a lawyer in our... You, you were very clever <laughs> slipping that in right at the beginning. The, um, you know, are they, if they're 
let's say that Miss A owns a shoe shop and she just wants local web designer David Wormsley to build her a website and she knows you and she's spoken to friends who've had stuff built by you in the past and she learns that you're a nice and honourable person. I wonder if mm. she's never going to expect a contract and just like, oh, yeah, get on with it. But as the organisation grows in size, there must come a point where there's so many cogs and wheels that it has to be put into a contract simply because there's got to be some got to be some paper chain which can link to what's going to be delivered because the staff members might not be around to talk to you in a few weeks' time because, you know, churning employees. Yeah, I guess you assume, I mean, I don't know how gov.uk managed it. I, I think it's pretty much internal staff doing it so they can generate that budget knowing that this is always going to need to be ongoing. This website is going to constantly need to change to to be updated all the time. That's built in from the beginning. So... Uh, you know, there's there's a long-term deliverable. There never is a deliverable. There never is an end to a project like that. So I think that I don't think that was difficult for them to go an agile route with it. But yeah, I do see the interesting thing about picking a lawyer for this one. I thought about this in my. So if I go there and I say I do no contracts with a lawyer, are they going to get funny about it? But effectively, if I went to see them as a client of them. Do you think they would say before my consultation with you, I need you to sign this documentation about the expectations you're going to get at the end of this meeting with me? They're not. They're just going to bill me after it, aren't they? Yeah, yeah I expect they'd try to do anything to get you to pay them, <laughs> <laughs> frankly. Yeah, I, no, I, don't, you... I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure because there are so many instances in my life where I get people to do things for me. And some yeah. of them can be quite expensive, you know, as an example, uh, repairing the car or um, having yeah. an extension built. We've got a builder who we use, and over the years, it's, you know, having some brick structure added onto the side of your house isn't cheap. But I have yeah. absolutely no contract. I just totally get him to start the work and pay him at the end. And it, it's yeah. a simple procedure. There's, do you know what? It's interesting because we never got into it, and I, I have no idea what the law on this is, but... I'm sure there must be some implied law just on talking about things. You know, if, if I get the builder mm. to come round and he gives me a quote and I tell him to get started on my house extension and then refuse to pay him, I'm imagining that in just every jurisdiction on earth, there must be some consumer law protecting you, even if it's not written down. Yeah, exactly. Well, uh, you know, one of the things, I mean, if you start with just the the first basis of the law, it doesn't have to be written down to be legal. Any kind of agreement, even if it was verbal, it's just the difficulty of proving it. Yeah, yeah. It <laughs> comes back to that trust thing again. Anyway, sorry. So I was making the point that uh, loads of things in my life I will I will happily commit and people will do work on my yeah. behalf. And uh, there's yeah. no expectation of a contract. And I suppose the easiest one for us to understand there would be like the car mechanic. You know, that can sometimes yeah. run into thousands of pounds if it's a, yeah. a serious problem. But I don't I don't sign anything to say, yeah, get on with it. I just say, yeah, get on with it and then pay the bill at the end. I wonder how mm. many people uh, renege on that and just, you know, just refuse mm. to pay their car bill. I suppose he's car mechanic in that case has got a fairly decent asset of theirs to stop uh, to stop them you know not paying whereas we we can only hold their website hostage <laughs> yeah well but that that is some leverage um, that's but, true uh, you know uh, i think 
Yeah, I think for Miss A, the way that you go about it will be acceptable as yep. well as I imagine my route would be acceptable because of the the way that you're slightly, there is a difference between us. In effect, you are delivering a product of a website where I'm delivering a service to build a website. Yeah. And I think that kind of makes us different. So I think they would probably accept well, they have to do else, otherwise we've got no series and uh, the, the series on Nathan and David stacking shelves is not <laughs> anything that anyone wants. Um, <laughs> oh, that's great. Do you know what? I, I cannot summon up an argument as to why you should never have a contract. There, there just seems to be no, uh, no sensible position where you could say, no, you must not have a contract. It always seems to me that if you have a contract... There's no problem with that, assuming that it protects you in the way that you wish for it to be protected. So my position would be, if you can get one done, why not have one lying around? If it fits in the budget and it fits in your business, why not have one lying around? But equally, I think if you're listening to this series because you you want some sort of guidance, I mean, goodness help you if you're listening to this series looking <laughs> for some guidance, but there you go. The David is proof that you can quite happily start a website business without yeah. the need to get a contract in front of people. You've just got to figure it out for yourself and work out what works and which customers to deal with and which to, you know, leave at arm's length. I'm going to argue with you on that first point, though, about okay. there's no reason why you couldn't. And I think there is. And I think it's the sales process, the yeah. whole stuff that we talked about okay. with the watertight marketing in the fact that anything that could give reason for them to hold back from going forward um, and that a contract could often be that if it's not well done. Yes. OK, I'll accept that. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. fair enough. You mean if you hit them with like the 40 page legal document, which is impenetrable. Exactly. And therefore, <laughs> well, a massive red flag. Yeah, yeah I don't that's think a it has point. to be any of those. Mm. I think, you know, most of us, when we accept terms and conditions, just we just do it on trust because it's online. We don't know what we are committing to at all. And we don't go and look because if we start reading that stuff, it gives us all the reasons for why we might not want to do it. Yes. And I think and I think that's one of the things that why I want to get rid of the contract. I want it to be let's just start on this relationship together. You know, the legalese can stay out of it. So for my reason of, you know, my thinking, particularly with the type of service, that's why I kind of like to keep the contract out of it. But uh, we need to talk about something else before we sign off, which is just really the payments. Oh, OK. Yeah. Payments indeed. So first of all, <laughs> do you want to tell us how you do it? Well, mine's simple because it's online. They just book their time and then they get a receipt online. So that's really straightforward. Yeah. Um, yep. And they get that automatic invoice. So there's, n yeah, that's as simple as it's got. I'll, I'll tell you something because I, I want to share this actually because I do it that way and it's always up front. And I've always had this justification if ever asked, which I've never been asked before. I ask them to pay up front. No one's ever questioned it. So what, 100% up front, the whole thing? Yeah, but no, the the sprint, if okay, you like. So okay, yep, it's yep. always broken down yep. into, you know, they pay for the hosting got and it, they pay it. for this one sprint. So it's a small, smallish amount, but it can still add up to, you know, $1,000 anyway uh, for the first payment. So, but no one's ever questioned it. But I always had this justification because I don't know if it's true for you, the amount of time that when I used to have to go and because there were just some people who I always got paid every time. But some organizations, because they went through other people, not the person I was dealing with, they were so slow, slow on getting that. I was chasing these up. And that time, I have to then charge the people who are really good at paying me 
for that time. Yeah. You know, because yeah. I don't know who's who. So I just thought, no, that's my justification for paying up front. I thought I'm always going to do it that way. Yes. It's interesting. I use a very similar process. You know, the the it's all done automatically online. I mean, goodness, if, if people mm. who are building websites can't do online payments, then we need to question the internet. So yeah, the the the, the payment schedule is organized up front. The the portion of the payment schedule that, that is essentially the contract signing phase that gets paid and the whole thing starts. And then, then there'll just be, you know, when we get to milestone number one, then there's another 20% or milestone number two or whatever it is, another 30% or whatever. And that's just how it works. So there's always something up front before I actually do any any real uh, work. I'm not in, I haven't really done the whole paid for uh, exploration of what the, the website build is going to be like. And I know that was a, that was a big thing for a long time. I don't know if people are still touting that as a thing to do, you know, paid discovery. I've never mm. really done that. So I, I can't really speak because that sort of falls out in a different category. You, would you need a contract for the discovery phase? <laughs> Gosh. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. Um, never done that. I, I, yeah, I, I think these kind of th- when I've heard of these kind of things where you do some jobs up front, they would be along the lines of my model. I think a fixed fee to do something, you know, um, because I guess they don't know what because they leave that to you, don't they? That process yeah. on the discovery. I think. Yeah, is that I, what? It, yeah. In terms of getting paid, I've I've never had a problem. There's only one client who it's kind of a funny story, really. Well, it's not really a story, but I have this one client who I still have actually who never pays, but reliably never pays. Does that make sense? And <laughs> yeah. and I can phone them up, and I now know it's just because they're rubbish. It's not because <laughs> they don't wish to pay it or that they're being awkward. It's just yeah. that they're rubbish. And at the beginning, it took me a few, a few payments missed to figure out that they were rubbish. And I thought, do you know what? Is this, is this going to be a, a thorn in my side? Should I ditch this client? And actually, it really wasn't that. It's just they're not not very organized in life. So my invoice arrives in the email. It just gets missed. And it gets missed every time. So I just make the phone call. And then it'll probably get lost again. And then I'll make another phone call. And eventually it gets paid. And I actually, I don't really mind that because I can understand what their life is like. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I'm trying to avoid that, aren't I, with my yeah. method? That was kind of what used to annoy me. You are you already gave away the fact that you are kind of loose on the agreement. How do you find out from the client how they're going to break up the payments? Or are you deciding that on the basis of how much you're charging? Yeah, so yeah, it, yeah. It, it really, it is it is exactly that. If it's a big project that's going to take months and it's got a big, big, bigger fee attached to it, I tend yeah. to break that up into three uh, parts. But if it's more of a simple brochure site, then it just tends to be two parts just because it's, it's just, you know, there's there's not really a lot of risk to me in there. Um, and also it breaks up the money aspect for them. There's no clever psychology there. I just do that because it felt like the right thing to do the first time I did it. And I've just kept doing it. Yeah, it's interesting because a lot of people, you know, people like processes. We all do, you know, tell us what to do and we'll do it because we don't want to think. But, you know, you hear lots of people have formulas and I just think, gosh, they must surely vary for the client and it sounds like you already build that in have you have you had any pushback somebody saying that i want a different you know kind of payment frequency no no i don't think i have and i'm uh, in my template i've got two or three different payment options and the, the system that i use you can just delete like blocks it's a bit right. like gutenberg in the sense you know there's blocks dragged into the template and i just 
just remove the ones that I don't want to use for this project. And no, in answer to your question, nobody's ever said, no, that's weird. Can we do it differently? <laughs> no, no, it's and, been... And would you do it if they, if it's the same payment? Would you split it up differently? For yeah, them? I think I would. I, I don't yeah. see the problem because to me, it's it, in the end, it'll be the same amount of money. Nobody's ever asked it. And I wonder if something in the back of my mind would, uh, maybe an alarm would go off at that point thinking, why do they want to do it differently? But I've never, yeah. I've never had it. And I, I can't see why I would object. Um, you know, if they could explain that they had a cash flow thing, you know, they had to do certain things by April being tax year end in the UK. Maybe there's something around that that I could could accommodate. I don't yeah. know. We'll have to see what, when that happens. I'm going to have to build yeah. you a website, David, and you can be the awkward yeah. client. Well, and- as I know I will do that. I'll, say, <laughs> I'll pay this big chunk here, but for these months, I want to pay you a penny per minute. And I want to hand it over to you. <laughs> oh, no, no. Yeah, no. Oh, no, no, nothing like that. I, no, 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 no. no. You, <laughs> you, you and I are sheep? not going to get on as, 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 as working partners. I'll tell you what, I really didn't think that we would have uh, a lot to say about this. And we're on to like basically 45 minutes. And so it's proven to be. We've managed to, as always, say almost mm. nothing in a great long period of time. So uh, do you think we've done this one? Contracts done? I think we're absolutely. Okay. We're going to, yeah, we've got the last one of our, this kind of section, mm-hmm. which we're just going to talk about. Have we set the right expectations before we actually get on to building? Okay. So that's going to be in a couple of weeks' time, hopefully. Yep. I enjoyed that. Bye. Okie dokie, I hope you enjoyed that podcast. Lovely to chat through these things with David Wormsley. Always brings up a lot of interesting and perhaps information that you didn't know before. If you've got any commentary about it, maybe you agree with what we said or perhaps you object to what we said, head over to wpbuilds.com and search for episode number 263 and leave a comment there. Or alternatively, go to wpbuilds.com forward slash Facebook and leave us a comment there. We produce the podcast each and every Thursday. We rotate. One week it's a conversation between David Wormsley and I, and the next week it's an interview. So you've had the David conversation this week. Next week it'll be an interview, but that's Thursday. It comes out at 1 p.m. UK time. And don't forget, we also do our weekly This Week in WordPress show. You can find that wpbuilds.com forward slash live every week, 2 p.m. UK time on a Monday, and I'll be joined by some notable WordPress guests, and we chat over the WordPress news for this week. It's quite lighthearted and a bit jolly, and hopefully if you come along and make a comment, we'll get you on the screen, and that would be really nice. Okay, I hope that you have a lovely week. Stay safe. I'm going to fade in some cheesy music and say bye-bye for now. (laughs) 